Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm Eve Brunkin and I'm joined by Jerry Maguire. I feel like I do the intro in the exact same voice and tone every single week. I don't know why. It just happens. That's cool. That's consistency. I mean, I don't know how to switch it up. Hello there. No, absolutely not. Okay. How are you, Jerry? How are you getting on this week? (laughs) Yeah, I'm grand. Thanks, Eve. Yeah. Good, good. Well, first things first. A great day for the parish. Sure, didn't we clean up at the Baftas? We did. We did. We were so proud. We were sat in here watching along with them and the big screen on the little, well, their little screen at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in their big, massive Their auditorium. big silver screen. Yeah, our yeah. little screens. Yeah. Um, and before we get into the awards, so let's start off you know in the process of the awards so the red carpet can we just chat about i mean we've obviously already said this um and how amazing it is that i feel like it's like the golden age of of irish language films but like the irish language is cool again well it's It's cool again it's automatically cool now because paul mascal was speaking as gaelica on the red carpet so he did so well. I was kind of sweating watching it because I was just like, come on, <laughs> just do it for all of us. Just keep going. You're doing great. Yeah. Um, I did see uh, Brendan Gleeson was also talking on Skoelga on did, the red carpet. Yeah, that's true. And then I did see, which I really appreciated because I can very much relate to, I did see um, Colin Farrell getting pulled by an Irish girl. And she was like, do you mind chatting to us while you wait for them? And he was like, yeah, of course. And he came over and he was like, Osperla, yeah? And she was like, oh, God, yeah. And he was like, oh, thank fuck, yeah, yeah, same, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we still had the balance. We still had the balance. Uh, But no, it was just amazing between Barry and, um, you know, like Kerry and just all the wins. It was just amazing. So let's go through the wins. So which one was first? So I think the first two were for uh, Banshees, and I mm-hmm. think it was Kerry first. Mm-hmm. So, oh, what a gorgeous, gorgeous speech. And I just adored that she thanked her horses and her dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She was gushing. She was really like, she sounded very genuinely mm. surprised and happy and humble. You yeah. Know? I'm so, so glad she got it. And then, of course, Barry then as well. What a moment for... Summer Hill is producing some incredible people. I mean, I saw a tweet from um, a wonderful actress, uh, Lynn Rafferty, and she said, Summer Hill now has a BAFTA and an Olympic gold medal and an Oscar nomination. So just go ahead and call us Golden Hill. I mean, what a claim to fame. I love Love it. it. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. brilliant. Shall we listen to Barry's speech? Yes, 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 please, let's do it. And the BAFTA goes to... Barry Kilgore! put that? <sighs> Should have planned this, really, but... Uh, anyways, um, all right, I've got a list here I've got to thank. Um, Martin, thank you. Um, I'm going to fly through this because I'm quite nervous. Um, Martin, Colin, Brendan, Kerry, the cast, the crew, the producers, um, Fox Searchlight, Ireland, Brando. <laughs> this is for my son as well, Brando, for my mother, um, and also for the kids that are dreaming to, to be something from, from the area that I came from. This is for you. So. Isn't that lovely, that speech? That's just... 
Yeah. Oh, it was so, so gorgeous. So happy for him. And I love that he said after as well that he was going home to order room service with his little boy. Yeah. I, I picked that up as well. Yeah. It was lovely. <laughs> so next then we had a win for Aftersun, which we're going to, I mean, we're going to take this one as well because Paul was, <laughs> Paul Meskel was in Aftersun. Yeah. But you know what? Like, uh, Charlotte Wells is such a lovely filmmaker and she's such a she's such an accomplished filmmaker having just only done her debut feature it's it's really really cool to see that film pick up an award at the mm. BAFTAs and to be recognised and I think like I said this during the week as well it's kind of a big deal that movie gets a win like mm. that that they're now yeah. like a BAFTA winning outfit Yeah, agreed, that's quite yeah. cool as well I think but yes um, yeah. we'll yeah we'll vicariously claim it by Apollo yeah, we're good at that, I think. Um, and then the next um, win uh, was for um, the VFX lead on Avatar, which was uh, Richard Bainham. That yes. a lot of people haven't been chatting about. And I just think, like, he's just done amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, be working on stuff on the, a scale like Avatar, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. brilliant. It's a funny one because I think, like, people see a win for Avatar and... I think they I think everyone understands that the VFX team for something like that is hundreds of people and you know it's probably mm-hmm. not so much down to one person but Richard's a part of that team and def- and a big part of that team mm-hmm. and yeah it's really really cool to see to see Definitely. they got that win as well and just before we move on to probably one of my favourite wins of the night, um, when Banshees won, I really appreciated Martin McDonough saying, I'm sure a lot of the cast and crew are wondering how we ended up in the outstanding British Film Award category. Oh, yeah. um, but I think it is also really important to note that so many of the amazing TV and film um, Irish TV and film are supported and funded by English, um, yeah. you know, funders. You know, yeah. the Channel Four. That's why, like Dairy Girls and even Father Ted and everything. You know, they're not yeah. on or T or they're not, and that's what, how they end up in these categories. Which I think is really important to to note as well that it's not. You know, there's a difference between that and Sky News just claiming you know totally, uh, an totally. actor's name or something like that I think that's a, yeah. an important thing to note for sure yeah which look, then, that's, why, that's why we exist isn't it yeah we're, we're the link but we're one of the many links between the UK and Ireland at yeah. Irish Film London so yes we we agree with this statement definitely and then my favourite win of the night I'll let you say oh an Irish goodbye yeah for yeah. best short film what a gorgeous win it was um, and so deserved and yeah just so chuffed for them totally and it was a really really strong category like there's other films in there like um, The Ballad of Olive Morris which would have mm-hmm. been equally deserving um, a really really strong category overall um, but it was yeah the guys did really well um, they were obviously so chuffed to pick up the award their wee speech was lovely as well and it's just like the thing that's so inspiring about it is you're looking at you're looking at winning a BAFTA and then potentially winning an Oscar as well and mm-hmm. that's just like the careers of the people who put that film together are made off the back yeah. of this you know all yeah. the effort that you and I know goes into putting a short film together which is often such a thankless thing 
to do mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's going to make such a huge difference in their lives and so absolutely the recognition is huge and, yeah. uh, and so well deserved um, unfortunately on Colleen Kuhn didn't take home any awards but uh, yeah that's us. okay we still got the Oscars and we're still behind them 100% of the way yeah and uh, I'm really enjoying watching their journey on social media of going mm-hmm. to all of these you know like the Oscar luncheons and all of these after parties and seeing yeah. you know uh, friends of the festivals, friends of ours, you know, meeting all of these big, big stars. Um, so, you know, degrees of separation there, Jerry. Definitely, definitely. I mean, look, it's such an honour to get nominated for a big thing like that. And mm. I think I was saying to someone the other day as well, like, once you get nominated and you know that you have to go and put your dicky bow on and go to the award ceremony, you know that you have to have something in your pocket ready to say but you also mm-hmm. know that there's a five out of six chance or something that you're going to be throwing that speech in the bin and never reading it yeah so, so true yeah. you know I think you have to take yeah you have to take the wins that you're given um, and to know that you're nominated is should hopefully be a win enough for everyone um, mm-hmm. but yes there's still a big journey for them to go I'm just really excited for what comes next when this whole like carnival of things is over for them yeah for Colum and Cleona especially like I mean they've put so much effort into making sure that this project is a success in every way it's been such a huge impactful thing for everyone who's seen it and you just you know you just can't wait to see what they put their hand on to next absolutely what I wasn't so impressed with was the BAFTA TV coverage yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. It felt very, just a bit all over the place and kind of meshed together a little bit, really, didn't it? It didn't feel yeah. kind of polished. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I kind of understand the decision to like mix things up with new hosts. Mm-hmm. I think Richard E. Grant is a little darling, um, although he looked like a rabbit in the headlights for most, most of the evening. Um, mm-hmm. I can understand to a degree the appeal of bringing... Um, Alison Hammond in and doing the sort of daytime TV bit mm-hmm. but it just didn't work for mm-hmm. me really Yeah, I, I found that the coverage was cutting away to see what Jerry Halliwell had to say to someone for literally one minute um, where I, I could have been watching the full nominees and selections for short film or international fe- feature or Something yeah, like I feel like a lot of categories sometimes get the short stick uh, yeah. um, in that kind of sense, which is very frustrating. Um, and I think, look, there definitely is a balance. You know, I can only imagine how incredibly long mm. those award shows are. Yeah. Um, so I do get that there's probably a balance to strike between what they broadcast and what actually happens. But it just felt like BAFTA didn't didn't get that balance right for sure. Yeah, right. So but, please try oh. harder next year, lads. Yes, <laughs> if you're listening, which you're most definitely not, please try harder next time. <laughs> yeah. um, but up next is the is the Oscars. Um, yes. So very, very excited uh, to watch that and chat to you about that. Yeah. Um, but in other news, um, unfortunately, the uh, really well-known producer James Flynn passed away. Um, he was honoured at the BAFTA ceremony. Um, he worked on an incredible amount of stuff, everything from TV to film. Um, he worked on Inside I'm Dancing, Angela's Ash, he was also a co-producer on Banshees as well, so um, uh, that was that was really great that he uh, that he was honoured at the BAFTA ceremony. Yeah, it was good to see that, and I know mm-hmm. that he's I know that his death was 
was a very impactful thing for people when it happened um, mm-hmm. less than two weeks ago. Absolutely. So, um, and then in the um, Screen Ireland news, uh, we have uh, their new list of rising stars, mm-hmm. and one of which is Rhiannoc, who's a uh, shorts, uh, well, she's a filmmaker, but we've had um, a few of her shorts in the uh, festival, so always really, really nice to see um, artists that we've had uh, featured in some of our festivals. And then there's also actor Aina Hardwick, mm-hmm. who's going to be in Lakelands, which will be in a film that we will reveal shortly, yes. um, uh, when that's going to be involved in Irish Film London. And then in other Screen Ireland news, there was a film announced. Just today, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So we're recording this the day before we publish it for you guys. Um, And yes, Screen Ireland and Tailored Films revealed the first look at Chris Andrews' debut feature film, Bring Them Down, which stars Barry Keoghan and Christopher Abbott and looks really good mm-hmm. um i mean that's an that's an amazing cast um we've also had some of the taylor films um guys on here and we've had uh, some of their material in our festivals over the last couple of years and mm-hmm. it's great to see them doing great work like this very excited to see what that turns out as it's so nice to see people progressing in their careers and just making more and more um projects it's yeah. just it's it's so encouraging totally. um and then i guess in irish film london news yes so st patrick's day film festival submissions are now closed thank you by the way to everyone who sent their, their entries in um a really really good showing um of amazing talent and irish films in that so yes uh the st patrick's day film festival will be back in cinemas across london on friday the 17th saturday the 18th and sunday the 19th of march so we're excited to be opening that series of events with lakelands the new film which features Anna hardwick and danielle galligan that's going to play at riverside studios in hammersmith on friday the 17th of March. We're then across at the Killen in Kilburn for a film called Clouded Reveries or Ashleen Tree Nela, which I'm very excited to finally be able to bring to London audiences. That's a gorgeous documentary about the poet Doreen Negrefa. It's by Kira Nikormak and it's a bilingual film which is exploring Doreen's work and her processes and it's really, really good and you should all come to that. Saturday we are in the Garden Cinema in Covent Garden for a lovely series of short films which we're calling Safe Havens that's selected from open submissions and Film Freeway. There are eight films in that and you should come down to the Garden Cinema at 2pm on Saturday the 18th and check those out with us. Uh, The Garden Cinema always sells out for us by the way guys so make sure that you can get yourselves down there and get tickets while you can. It also has a fabulous bar. Oh my god it has the best Art Deco bar yeah that is absolutely worth mentioning yeah. Mm -hmm. Then we're staying in the West End on Saturday evening at 6pm we are going to be at Picture House Central for a screening of the new film God's Creatures which features Paul Mescal and Emily Watson alongside Ashleen Franciosi and Tony O'Rourke. I have it on good authority that cast members will be there but I'm not going to tell you which ones. You have to go to the Picture House Central website, get yourself a ticket and come down and meet us there at 6pm Saturday the 18th. Then on Sunday 
the 19th we're up at the London Irish Centre so we're all over the place that weekend um, at 3pm we're doing a screening of and Colleen Kuhn The Quiet Girl we've, we always get loads of requests to do that and we've had so many that we've just had to we just had to do another screening of it basically Yeah. Um, that one's been on sale for a week or so there's already about 100 tickets sold for that so honestly make sure you get your ticket in good and early for that because um, it is a hard one to catch over in London, you know. Yes. I think it's. I think it's kind of has a little residency here in 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 Dublin, but it's definitely a hard one to catch over there. So that's if you true. Make it down, definitely get down to see it because it's. Uh, I think it's it's just a film every Irish everyone but every Irish person needs to see. So uh, yes, definitely, definitely go. To Absolutely. That. So all of those are going to be on sale by the time we release this podcast. So head on over to irishfilmlondon.com, check out the events listings. The short films are going to be available available online as well so they will be available from St Patrick's weekend until the end of March um, grab a ticket pre-book please where you can it really helps us to gauge the interest and yeah if you if you can get a ticket and you come down say hello to either me or Madeline or Neve if she's around we love to see people who listen and we love to get feedback and yeah we'd love to see you there definitely come down and support us mm. and another way that you can support us if you can't make it um, we are a non-for-profit um, so you can support us by just simply sharing this podcast just telling your family friends your colleagues whoever has an interest in film or maybe even the connection between London uh, between England and Ireland and the arts definitely recommend us and that even in itself is a huge support and on top of that you can share it on your social media and then on top of that again if you just love us even more you can definitely have a look at becoming a member and then you can get loads of perks and um, for the saint patrick's day festival so perfect timing indeed so for this week's podcast we caught up with the director and young star of Joyride. Um, it was a film that hit cinemas and festivals in the summer of 2022 and got gorgeous reviews. So we're delighted to finally uh, nail down the director, Ema Reynolds, and Oscar-winning uh, Olivia Colman's co-star, Charlie Reed. Um, and hopefully we'll be seeing some nominations for Joyride at this year's IFTA Awards. So mm-hmm. I hope you guys enjoy, and I will chat to you very soon, Jerry. Nice one, Neve. Speak to you soon. If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films, and invites to networking events, and so much more. So check it out now. Hello there, and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm joined by director Ema Reynolds and star Charlie Reed of the wonderful film Joyride. So thanks so much, guys, for coming on to chat to me today. Hi, Neve. Thanks so much for having us. So, first of all, congratulations on a gorgeous film. It really is such a great watch and um, something to be really proud of, which I don't doubt that you both are. Um, so I'd love to start with Dee Weimer and how you got introduced to Joyride with uh, the writer, the screenwriter, uh, Alva Kjogan. Well, thanks a million. Thanks. I'm so delighted you enjoyed the film. Um, yeah, my journey started with it around 2018 um, when uh, the producer, Aoife, 
O'Sullivan sent me the script that she had been working on with Alva for a number of years. They'd been developing it together. And um, they they really, they'd been developing it in a number of different ways and weren't, weren't kind of, you know, they weren't happy with the voice they'd found for it for directing and also the way some of the some of the directions it was taking. So they'd gone back to kind of first principles, back to their original idea and sent me a very early draft and 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 said, you know, what do you think? And are you interested in coming on board? And I loved it the first time I read it. Like I just thought it was so full of heart. It was so smart. It was so funny. It really, really moved me. The central scene uh, where uh, Charlie's character, Mully, spoilers ahead you know helps uh, Olivia Coleman's character Joy to feed a baby and uh, her baby and you know the baptism scene we called it like it moved me every time I read it it moved me every time I shot it editing it you know still moves me today so I think that's a it had a very strong very very strong heart and I was incredibly attracted to it and I, I came on board we worked it together over a number a number few another few years obviously we shot it in summer of 21 so uh, it was it was a great journey up to including and to and to today I think such that's such a that's such a testament to the script because I think sometimes you know you can you can have a good script but you can make it look beautiful or you know performances can kind of pull it out of the bag but when you have good writing it's just it it screams off the page um and and so because you were uh, you were on it and then kind of worked um on it with the girls did it change much um uh, throughout the process or did it did the core of it always kind of stay yeah, the core of it stayed. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they, you know, even sometimes it's hard to even remember earlier drafts. But we were, you know, we were refining it and refreshing it and zoning in and it all the way up to the shoot. You know, I think within a few weeks of the shoot, we removed uh, about five or six pages. You know, so like it, it's it's endlessly um, morphing and changing, and it changes. It changed when Olivia came on board. You know, in terms of who Joy was, you know, now becomes a concrete person with that look as opposed mm. to a fictional Joy. When Charlie came on, we cast Lachlan, you know, it, all these other things, when you start gathering the locations, you know, the voice of the film itself, the film knew exactly what it wanted to be. You know, it, it almost became a character in the room. So everything then becomes, including the script, which was very robust and very unique, very Alva, you know, very... Uh, individual discreet Kerry voice she has a very funny and loud and smart voice in the film even it became um you know subject to the film we ended up making you know the film started to you know show its muscle you know yeah. and demand what it wanted so uh it's it's a fascinating process and I really really enjoyed it it was my first feature drama so yeah. um I really enjoyed watching it Twist, and then I guess the, and, yeah and kind of seeing it grow as well hmm. like and, and from being involved in it from quite an early stage and I guess then like the very exciting process of the casting process which I'm dying to chat about so Charlie what was that like for you what when was your first introduction into Joyride and then kind of the the whole process to getting to the first day of shooting well I mean we had heard about it earlier that year so it was still um it was, it was still sort of all lockdown-esque kind of thing. And then um, we had heard a casting call about it. And I I mean, I've always, I always wanted to be in a film, but I never actually, you know, saw the opportunity. And then this came along and I was like, okay, I have to go straight into this. And then... Because you've I done a lot of theatre, haven't you, Charlie? Yeah, no, I did a lot of theatre when I was younger. And then, um, of course, Parcel as well. 
Mm. And then when, so when the casting call came out, we sent a tape in and uh, we didn't hear back for a while. And then we heard back and they and they really liked me. So then it was backwards and forwards for a few weeks. And then I met Ema and I met the, I met the producers and everything. And then we got the, we got the call later on. I think it was the night after. And then it's one of the, one of the best, still the, one of the best nights ever all the family came over here you know it's just a really really great absolutely big celebration in order for sure and Emer, what was the was did you have charlie on first and then i guess yeah what like what does it even look like to start getting someone like olivia coleman on board no charlie so charlie came later olivia came first um she was uh you know uh uh, she was the only person on my list for the character of Joy, but it was, you know, completely fantasy casting. You know, you never dream. Go you bigger, never, go home. Yeah. You know, yeah, you never. Why not just offer it to the person? I Since I saw her in a film, I think it's 2011, a wonderful film called Tyrannosaur. Just, you know, admired her work so much. She's got such heart. She's got such depth. She's got such bravery you know like she stuns me every time I watch it so we went we you know, we sent her the script we got to her agent we sent her the script and I wrote her a letter um you know extolling the virtues of uh, <laughs> filming in Kerry and the beauty and the wildness and, and all that and yeah she asked to meet me and uh, we got on wonderfully and uh, she agreed to do it like on that very call she said mm. okay I'm in and you know I you know, legend has it that I immediately jumped into kind of Irish mode. My husband calls kind of the anti Mrs. Mrs. Uh, what's her name from Father Ted? You know? yeah. I turned into well, you know, you don't have to make any decisions now, and you know, like I don't want to rush you. Just like, no, no, no. She came early, and uh, of course, once she signed up, and everyone was confident that that was going to really happen, as opposed to still in my fantasy mind. Um. It all happened very, very quickly after that. You know, it all spiraled. I think that was like summer 2019 and no, 2020. <laughs> How many years have we got? Of I know. It's all, pandemic it's all has about... made all the years gone strange, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. The following summer we were shooting anyway. So it was a reasonably tight period. And then, as Charlie said, we put out a, a giant casting call for Because once we had Olivia, you know, we were free to, you know, to to cast whomever we wanted you know we mm. weren't being asked to look at you know precocious young boys who had done lots of tv or you know we were we were free to to throw the net and we did as wide as we could we were on radio and everything for a couple of weeks saying anyone if you're in a rugby club you, you don't even have to do acting you don't have to be even in an acting club just sign right in send us the tape let's see so we started with a huge amount um Possibly around 1,500, although I don't know the exact figure, but I know it was well over the thousand. And Elaine Granger, our wonderful casting agent and her team had to, you know, really comb through a huge amount. And it got down. It was endlessly whittling. Charlie was one of the front runners from the very beginning. You know, he was I was so impressed with his initial tapes. And then, as he says, he had to come in. I think Tar- Charlie had to tape for us maybe six or seven times and then we eventually ended up meeting. So it was a winnowing of this huge body of young men, very talented, brave, gorgeous young men that were trying to to be here and then winnowing it down to, I think it was, you know, one minute it was 25, then it was 16, then it was eight and then uh, Charlie emerged victorious. And, uh, you know, I'm so pleased he did because we had, we had, we were so impressed with him from the start his instincts his his bravery 
He's he's just he was he was he was mully from the start. You know, he was every audition we saw him in. He was just even in his physicality. You know, he was, he, you know, he the way he auditioned in a kind of a longer shot, so we could see he's so skinny and he had this kind of gorgeous way about his body. About, about you know being being this little brave little scrappy boy racer character. You know, he just embodied him. So uh, it was it was a pretty competitive process. But Charlie was uh, and. I was a little worried for him because he had never done a TV, he'd never done film before. He'd done a small amount of TV and a lot of uh, theatre as, as a young child. Um, and film can be intimidating, but uh, gosh, yeah. the minute That's he was on the floor, he was just, <laughs> it was like his natural medium. He'd never not been there. It was, it was wonderful, incredible to behold. I mean, awe-inspiring. That's what I was going to ask, actually, Charlie, was because you'd be quite used to theatre. And obviously with theatre, I mean, two, in a way, completely different mediums. And with theatre, you know, you have so much time to rehearse and get to know your cast and and all that kind of stuff. What was it like kind of being thrown into film where you've got tight schedules and, you know, you've got to hit your marks and you've got to, you know, you don't have the freedom of just walking around a stage necessarily. What was the, did you find it quite, um, you know, like different or did, did you feel like they kind of blended in, in together? Um, I mean... With the film, we were we were asked to come down about a week before so we could talk it out and rehearse it a bit. And then we got there on the first day and we found out Olivia doesn't do rehearsals. So we uh we decided we but she she did we did go through some of the stuff and then she would the reason that I think it was I mean everything was so natural was because everyone was just so nice everyone was so nice to answer any questions I had and they just it allowed me to be more comfortable and it allowed me to you know give my best as well and that I wasn't holding back because I wasn't nervous around people that were very nice to me and people that actually talked to me about what I needed to do and stuff and it was just I I think the way it was done was fantastic because everyone was just so sound on set and it just I mean it made it a lot easier for me as in being there, because I, I was actually quite nervous when we arrived down on the first day. And then on the first day, I, I didn't mean to do this. We were walking downstairs and we walked out um, through the grounds of the hotel and Olivia's just sitting there on the on a little table uh, out in one of the gardens. And I was, I, I was talking to my dad, I was like, should I go up, should I say something? So we ended up going up and we had a really nice chat. And then that was the first time I had ever met her and Lockton came down then after about 10 minutes as well, it was just the three of us for about an hour and a half just chatting about the film, mm-hmm. our characters and everything. It was it was really good. Those, go, those kind of moments are, yeah, they're so important. And I think, like what you said, Charlie, it's so important to have a supportive environment. So that's really, really great. that uh, And it, kind of, it, sh- it shows through the film as well. It just... I was watching it thinking this must have been a blast, an absolute yeah. blast to work on. Um, and then on set as well, it was just, it was amazing. Every, yeah. Everyone on set was just so happy. And it, like, yeah, you find some sets, obviously not every set is going to be the ideal, but Joyride the set was the ideal. I mm. mean, everyone was just so happy every single day. I mean, you have people like Jonathan Quinlan, who was the main AD, annoying you every day, messing <laughs> with you. But I mean... I built so many memories as well that I'll carry with me for the rest of my career. Mm. And I think as well, especially after, because obviously you shot um, the summer, like after lockdown. So I'd say everyone was just so excited to be back and working and, and together again and everything. Yeah. Um, but Charlie, you, um, when we first meet Molly, you grace us with 
a song um which I know you have an incredible voice um did you have to sing in your casting process and also like let's be honest do you do you whip out that song now at, at sing songs every time <laughs> is that one you've got in the back pocket now that you can just like well it? I mean uh, we were asked I was asked to come with a song that gave a bit of life in the tape so I chose the only one I knew, which was Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. And I just, I went for it. And then, um, but yeah, so I was at, anytime I'd be at a party with my friends, I and one time at one of the parties, um, someone started playing the song. And I was like, no, don't <laughs> no. And then I, I, it didn't end up happening in the end. But I mean, next time if someone has a karaoke machine and hands me the microphone, I mean, mm-hmm. stopping me. <laughs> amazing and then also another one of your you're a man of many talents Charlie so singing acting and we need to talk about the driving so obviously the um the main plot is that you hop into a taxi and steal a taxi to get away from your dad who stole some money and to your surprise miss Olivia Coleman and a baby are in the back seat as you drive off so did you know how to drive before the film what was that like um, I I had no idea how to drive before the film. I had no idea. And then, uh, so I came in and I was sat behind the wheel and we had a stunt driver as well. Um, so we got, I think it was a German car where the wheel is on the left-hand side. And the stunt driver, he was crouched down with the wheel. And then I'm just here, as we're pulling in, we had called cut. And then Terry, who was the stunt driver, he had crouched down. And then I was just like, oh, you know, it looked like I was actually driving through the actual car park. And then, um, yeah, no, we used to we used to mess about on set like that, but I mean, I had no idea how to drive before. Well, you look very comfortable behind the wheel now, I have to say. <laughs> well, I mean, I, d- I did learn to actually drive this summer with uh, my friend Morgan. He he lives on a farm, and he actually he took me out one of the days and taught me how to drive. I mean, I I got the hang of it a bit in about an hour. So amazing! Well, yeah. it looks it yeah, you look very very comfortable behind the wheel. Um, Emer, I'd love to chat about um. I just think I just think it's such a wonderful comment on motherhood and postpartum and which I don't think is dived, dived into enough in a way that doesn't feel like too hard to handle or too hard to watch. I think sometimes when we talk about these subjects, they're really dark and depressing and 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 tough to watch. Um, and I just think that the tone and the and the balance in, in Joyride is beautiful. Um you know, of a woman who's genuinely struggling with knowing what she should should be or how she should do life, um, like we all ask ourselves, um, and especially then uh, as you touched upon earlier in regards to breastfeeding, and I think there can be such a shame and taboo around it, and it's just not talked about enough and normalized enough for women who might be struggling with it, with it, with which is you know huge. Um, so was this something that was really, really important to yourself and Alva and um, to, to get across to, uh, to write the film? Yes, to, you know, to myself, Alva, to Aoife, to Olivia, you know, to all the women involved in the film and and not wanting to embarrass Charlie, but Charlie and his parents, you know, everybody was on board with uh, the, the drive of the film, which was to present motherhood you know in all its glory and it's all in all its grislier details and in, it, in its joys and its sorrows and you know not to be coy about it not to be kind of you know 
I often think mothers are presented in film as some sort of, you know, they're sitting in a field of sunflowers and it's all soft focus. You know, this was this was going straight into a messier, as Alva called it, grislier experience. You know, mm. um, I, I don't know, you know, how much of what Joy is going through is postpartum depression or if it's, you know, it, it's a life, it's a learned behavior she has learned from sorry for your audience spoilers again but that moment that we reveal in the sea when you know she sees that her mother is prepared to abandon her you know and and the mm. scars that has cost her in her life that that she has internalized on a very profound level that she's not good enough and she she should never be a mother she says it in the film on the back of the truck which is a really funny scene cuz it's visually really funny there yeah. on the back of a a tractor trailer with lashing a rain under a, a canopy, you know, under a kind of a blue tarp. And there's a giant paper mashy baby's head that comes into play in the film later on. And in that film, in that scene, which is a funny visual scene, she throws away this heartbreaking line about, um, you know, oh, my mother always said it was better for everyone that I never wanted children, you know. So this, and that's in a great um tribute to Alva's writing. There is stuff that's littered in the film, but it's delivered it's written with such lightness and throwaway nature and it's delivered by Olivia and Charlie in that way as well. There's nobody's, nobody's asking for sympathy. Nobody's self-pitying. It's they're all both Charlie and Joy and Molly have been brutalized by their experiences. They're getting on with it, but mm. the journey is their journey towards um, needing each other, towards revealing each other, towards being, allowing each other to heal each other or to be vulnerable and to, to, to reveal themselves. So to go back to your question, it was very important to us all that motherhood be presented through the eyes of this incredibly mad woman. Like she's she's a, not a people pleaser. She's snarky. She's filthy. <laughs> she's ferocious. You know, she's she's spirited. She's really messy and complex. And, and it wasn't a straight line of, I don't want a baby, but she has this ludicrous plan from the start. I'll give up this baby and I'll go back to my life and everything. And the, the My friend who's taken the baby wants a baby. I don't. Everything will be grand. Even Mully in his first scene of her is kind of going, what are you on? <laughs> like, what sort of theory is that? You know, like mm. it's ludicrous from the start, but she's, she's defiant and she's bold and she's on a mission. And, you know, like all good road movies are all good, you know, buddy road movies. We kind of know that she's going to go on this journey to realize via this young soul. And and I think there's great perverse pleasure to be had when, you know, when, when what, you, what you think is going to happen does happen, you know, yeah. that we learn. And, and of course the joy is in the complexity of that or that it's a little surprising or, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so very important to us to show motherhood, you know, in all its messy magnificence. And, exactly. and a huge part of that was was the breastfeeding, you know. Yeah. But in the film, there's blood, there's, mm -hmm. there's constant urination, you know, there's like, yeah. this. it is shown as, you know, it's, 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 it's an assault on the body, especially if she's had the baby a few weeks earlier. And uh, very important for us to show breastfeeding without being coy. I didn't want to show it, you know, behind a kind of a, you know, veil mm. or, you know, like we wanted to show... You know, mm -hmm. yeah, baby, and I, baby I mean, breast milk—that's what we do. And 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 the way it's so surprising in the film is because it comes via this young fourteen-year-old boy, Molly, who is more comfortable with the idea of feeding than this forty-five-year-old woman is. You know mm -hmm. that he treats it as though, well, of course, baby needs fed. Get in there. You know, and it's yeah. 
and it's joyous and I think it it, it, it it's it's so um like just shows how there's such learned stigmas and there's such learned um you know societal norms and you know it's like well if this young boy he sees it all uh, all day every day with you know at home yeah and, and it's just, and it's, yeah <laughs> and it's just so it's just natural you and know, even when he's life. helping her even when yeah. he's helping her he's not spending a load of time trying to persuade her that she should do it he's just no sit up there move yeah. that there you know it's mechanical yeah <laughs> yeah this will work if you put the baby there and you know and yeah it's really freeing and and all compliments to charlie the human who was playing molly the the, the character because charlie made it his business to become really really comfortable around babies really really comfortable around changing their nappies and how to soothe them he became really good friends with the two babies who played Robin in the film and their mom and 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 all of that is on the screen you know you see a young boy who's just babies and everything all the country wants to do with babies feeding and nappies and all that is all just everyday yeah. stuff and you know exactly I I love the dynamic of Molly being this kind of incognito midwife um, <laughs> and his he's his just mature his mature caring nature just kind of pours out of him while still being a teenager you know yeah. while still yeah. being a teenage boy who says yeah. ridiculous stuff and gives you the middle finger every now and then yeah. Um, I you know because that's really important. If he was just you know this, well, of course kind of, he can't it be. Would yeah, feel very very strange. So Charlie, what was what was the biggest thing? This is quite a big question now. But what was kind of the biggest thing you learned on this film? I guess as an actor, but then also um, as a person. And then if you want to talk about your your prep, your baby prep, as well, please do. Um, I mean Olivia and Lachlan especially, and Emma taught me a lot along the way on the set and I mean it's just they they teach you Olivia especially had taught me how to be natural on screen and almost and um, make yourself into this character become this character and I mean I just I I it made it so it made it so she was actually she was telling me how to do it and be in the moment and I mean it, it worked hopefully and I mean I I tried my best to be as natural as possible the way she described it and I hope it worked and I hope it came across to people. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I was taught so much by Lachlan, Emer, Olivia, Jonathan, everyone. And like, I'll take, I'll take everything that they have taught me like with me forever, hopefully. And then um, with the babies. Um, so the first day, I saw Shalom we were in the hotel and I met the two babies and then along the days on set but like before we started shooting I'd always call into them and I mean I'd, I'd and anytime I'm not filming I'm always in I was always in with them with the two uh Sean and Sam and I was like, oh, here we go the dog is <laughs> okay but I was always um with Sean and Sam and I always wanted to hold them because I mean I wanted to I wanted it to look like, you know, I knew how to handle a child because I never had any babies or anything in my uh, in my life. Like I've never had any baby cousins or anything at all. So that was that was the start um of me trying it out. And I mean, hopefully it worked. I mean, Shalom was just brilliant. The fact that she just let me come in and she'd drop one of them on me while she'd go and do something, you know, but she was she was fantastic to let me do that, to allow me to try to become comfortable with the two kids and she still sends me 
videos of them today and oh my god they have changed so much they're, they're, they're in university so now right well charlie can i just say it does work by the way so the, can i just say can i just add neve like charlie's being uh very modest and, and mm. that's what he is he's a very humble and respectful young man and, and that's wonderful but he you know he is incredibly natural on screen and 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 it was an incredibly supportive environment you know the crew and the cast were all really working to we were a very tight group um, and in my way job in some ways is to create an environment where that can happen you know where the actors do feel free to be relaxed and and playful and, and naturalistic and, and not be tortured by you know all the the, the accoutrements of film but actually he he is an incredibly technical actor as well you know and it was his first role and um you know, the crew would constantly saying to me, James May, the, the cinematographer, constantly say to me, like Charlie's, he's work, he'd, he'd worked with hundreds of actors who who weren't capable of learning the screen skills that Charlie was picking up day on day. If, you know, a cinematographer would step in and say to the actor, you know, can you move to the left a little mm. or tilt your face 30 degrees, you know, to catch that light or whatever, you know, micro hints he was needing to give him. And Charlie had them nailed very next take, you know, like, so, you know, he, he he's an incredibly skillful actor on every level, technical, but lines in every way, as well as, um, as well as having the bravery to be real, to be in the moment, which, which is an incredible, um, it's an incredible and privileged thing to be able to watch on the floor and, and hopefully in the film. It, it It's really, really gorgeous. You did such a gorgeous job with, with Molly Charlie and I love as well, I love when, how just inherently caring um, he is and that he even has his hand around his dad when they're sleeping near the end of the film, you know, as if he's the adult, which in many ways he is. Um, loads of those little moments, although they might have felt like little bit like screamed off the, you know, really, really jumped off the screen. Mm -hmm. um, Emer, what about, I kind of, I guess, the same with Charlie. I know like every project that we work on, we try and, learn something new and bring that on to our next one. And I guess this, especially being your first feature drama, was there anything, any kind of big challenges or anything that you learned on this particular project that you'll definitely either not do again or bring with you uh, um, onto your next? Sure. Uh, you know, every day it's, it is and was an incredible learning curve. Um, and, and I'm sure the next one will be too, you know, I don't think there's an end to, what we need to learn if, yeah. if we're open and 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 present, you know, and and although we described this shoot as a very happy shoot, it was a very happy, unified shoot, and we all had a really nice time. It wasn't with, it wasn't without its challenges. We shot all over Kerry in a very short shoot, twenty five days. I think twenty of them were outdoors, and and if anyone who knows Kerry knows, it's literally that four seasons in one day. We were. It was monsoon, you know, one minute to be splitting the stones, literally 20 minutes later in the middle of the same scene. It's gray and lashing rain and massive challenges for a film like this, which is set over a day and a half. You know, you're trying to to to, to uh, that that illusion of it all happening consecutively. We had low loaders, we had upwards of 13 vehicles. We were trying to shoot, you know. I can't remember how many locations we wanted all the locations to have a different feel, you know, so that it wouldn't just feel like you were driving around one little hill or one mm. little set of roads so that we were up over mountains. We were down in valleys. We were by lakes. We were near the sea. We were on a ferry, you know, so 
um you know that location scope must have that record yeah, must, must he was have been... incredible carl king is his name he was one of yeah. our first uh great moments of of joy because we we had decided to shoot in Kerry, which was you know hard enough to achieve because mm. of on our very modest budget and most films on this sort of budget would stay close to Dublin because it's cheaper, but we really wanted to shoot in Kerry. Kerry was where it was set. And it's the DNA of the film is Kerry, you know, the madness, the the wildness, the poetry. But we were like, how are we ever going to find anyone from Kerry who's, you know, location scout? But he had, mm. he's an he's an Englishman who had recently married a woman from Tralee. <laughs> and Perfect. he had tricked on the crown. And we were like, so this amazing location manager has just moved to Kerry. We were like, what <laughs> he'll never do it but he signed on and uh yeah one of many good days of great fortune we had with uh but you know it wasn't without its challenges there was stunts in the sea there were vfx babies <laughs> you know, yeah exactly animals. yeah yeah exactly because you know? that was one thing i was that was kind of the next thing i was going to ask was like although it mightn't be necessarily you know like a huge cast or you know a big kind of epic yeah action yeah. film or anything like that it's and what a gorgeous cast it is um it still feels it still feels like an epic you know you've got the festival you've got the airplane you've got the ferry you've got people that they meet along the way you know so I was gonna ask did it feel overwhelming at points <laughs> so I'm I can only imagine I'm sure it definitely did at points but I mean I, I remember a friend of mine made a, a feature film in Italy um about two or three years ago and he said um they were they was the same they were trying to bring incredible ambition visual ambition and intensity mm. to the shoot possibly without reference to the money and the and the, the time they had you know putting a lot of pressure on the, and he said the producer called him aside one day and said if you could even be 15 percent less ambitious <laughs> and the, we were laughing about it because of course you can't be you know that's mm. the that's the uh, the the innocence of it you know that mm -hmm. you know, when i think of asking Carl King to find us 50 locations spread over like you know 20 days all over the county you know I, I I probably should have been dialing that back but I didn't we didn't we all went for it and actually mm. um you know it's all on the screen <laughs> exactly I mean when you when you get Olivia Coleman you feel like you can take on the world you know yeah. you're not you're not gonna start you know tightening things up then in fairness um and it really does it's just it's it's so gorgeous um to watch and I wanted you know because obviously it's a road movie although Alva Kilgan doesn't think it's a road movie but yeah. you know it's a road movie of sorts it's certainly an odd odd couple kind of buddy movie that they find each other at the start they don't want to be together but they need each other and they move forward and as the landscape changes so do they so it's in that it's in that genre mm -hmm. with caveats and it's Irish. And of course, American films, you know, which make those road movies all the time, they're so, they're huge. The highways go on forever, you know, there's like massive mountains. So, and mm -hmm. they've kind of colonized our imagination of what that journey should be. So I really wanted to try to do that in an Irish way so that it would have that scale because, the, the, you know, the the scale of their their. Um, emotional journey is huge you know mm. they do both go from being quite broken and angry and a little lost mm -hmm. very lost to you know they transform as they journey and and the the landscape needed to do that you know mm -hmm. and and the midpoint of the film apart from the baptism scene is that moment on the ferry when the ferry kind of has to stop mid estuary because there's some you know some problem with some reason so they're kind of locked on this little ferry and I always thought it was 
they're out in the middle of this beautiful estuary and and they're trapped between the past and the future and you know mm-hmm. like so, so it was that a greek tragedy you know that will, mm-hmm. they, will they make with, it with yeah. tommy tiernan um and charlie you know i guess one of the other things i love about the film is um the tone of grief that that runs throughout it and how molly has lost his mom and um olivia common's character has lost her mom as well was that something that you felt was really important between the two characters to have that um like common the thing that you guys have in common it's completely different relationships obviously towards your mothers but that you've still experienced this loss um and dealing with it and that there's no kind of right or wrong way to deal with grief what was what was it like kind of experiencing that well yeah throughout the film you have to i mean you have to see the 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 things that joy and molly have in common and i think we do see that throughout the film but slowly as they get to know each other better they sort of realize okay we have a lot more in common than i actually thought we did mm. and at the start you know they seem like completely polar opposites but once they get to know each other it becomes like they both understand each other's problems and they both understand the grief that they've both been through and you know i think what and i think what they both do sort of towards the end of the film they see it in they see life in each other's shoes do you know what i mean they see um I, they see the grief that they've both been through. I mean, both of them, you know, with problems with their mother, uh, as in Joy, uh, her mother wasn't very nice, and Molly losing his mother. Mm. I mean, I just, I think that it was something to really relate to with each other. And I think we sort of, we see Molly realises it for the first time when they're on the back of the trailer and um, when it's lashing down. And, um, you know, when she talks about her mum, and then he sort of realizes, okay, maybe she's not as bad as I thought. And I think as once it gets to the end of the film, you know, they completely understand each other and they completely know that they've both they've both been through so much and they're gonna be there for each other. Mm. I think as well, you know, when you think about it, when it doesn't matter what age you are, when you lose your mom, you lose your mom. Yeah. You know, and you you could be thirteen or you could be eighty two. You know what I mean, or or in your forties or your fifty. You know, you you've still lost your mom, and I think that was a really really gorgeous kind of common ground that no matter what the relationships were towards each other's mothers, but uh, that common the ground film. was yeah. The film is about motherhood at yeah. at its in its real core, and it's about it's the story of these three mothers, Molly's. Most missed, much missed mother who's only shown in flashback as you know a beautiful, happy, loving maternal soul. Joy's mother who's shown in flashback as you know a, a darker, you know troubled soul, and and there's only hints of it as to what what her effect on Joy has been. And then Joy, the mother herself, who's you know who's tortured as to whether she's good enough and whether this baby deserves better, and and. Mm-hmm anyone but her would be a better mother and then and then arguably the third the fourth mother is Molly you know mother M- Molly mother's joy and her baby back to some health you know back to some mm-hmm. union and I'm you know in some ways also mothering his father is teaching his father to be a better parent <laughs> mm-hmm. you know so it's it's a very it's a very moving film at that level you know mm-hmm. even though it's it, it it's it's ostensibly about you know it, it's almost it's a kind of a hidden story in it you know it's it's feel good it's warm hearted it's 
joyful it's funny it's filthy it's you know it's all these things and yet it's it's asking really really profound and open-ended questions about how we love and how we forgive and how we forgive ourselves and how we forgive our parents and mm. how do we learn to live again after we've lost someone we need and how mm. do we learn to trust again you know so all those all those questions are in there beautifully written I think by Alba because they're in a they're not in a, a saccharine or sentimental way you know mm. they're in there in a very real organic way absolutely absolutely and Imar I'd love to ask you about the um the choice of coloring in the film it's got a lot of bold blues and greens and yellows which isn't kind of naturally colors you would relate to on this kind of subject matter which is exactly like what you were saying you know that I think what Joyride does as you said is it it just shows it in a very real way you know what I mean it's and this it really kind of felt like although these dark thoughts and and things might be happening in people's lives there's still light everywhere you know you kind of just have to be in the frame of mind to to find it was that one of the you know the especially in the grade and everything was that a really really bold choice that you wanted to have yeah new new I really wanted the film uh, visually to wear its heart in its sleeve you yeah. know it wasn't going to be coy and demure you know it was it was going to be vivid it was going to be expressive and and a lot of the also the reality of the shoot, as I said, 20 days outdoors, you know, the weather, the landscape, the cars, the rainbow. It, the, yeah, the rainbow. They were going to be the, they were going to be the look of the film, you know, so it was about yeah. embracing it. And I didn't want joy, for example, in terms of Joy's costuming, yeah. She's got this sunflower yellow coat. It's very, very. But and it came out of a conversation with Kathy Strachan, our wonderful costume designer to do with Joy's defiance. You know, Joy isn't. She's not coy and demure. She, you know, she wants to, in some ways, she's in your face. You know, she wants to to challenge you. She's not a, she's not a behind the door. She's, she's not a people pleaser. She's kind of, she's, yeah, electric and loud, you know, and mm -hmm. looking for that and finding ways where the cars and the costumes and the sense of them going through this landscape would be, would be vivid, yeah, alive. Mm -hmm. Really wanted that. I love, I, I you know, Color palette is very, very expressive in it. And when we went further, as you say, in the grade, James Mather, our cinematographer, and Joe Fallover, the designer, the designer really lent into, you know, that because it, it's not realism. I mean, it, it, it's real Ireland, but with added attitude, you know, like it's mm -hmm. real Ireland with um, added flair and added heart. And mm -hmm. and it, there's magic realism in it. You know, they're followed by the this little Robin who is the, you know, the spirit of Molly's mother, Rita, following them through the landscape. You know, mm -hmm. the, as I said, the ferry is almost like crossing the sticks. You know, it's a kind of a... And then your festival as well. Idea, you know, so we wanted mm -hmm. to, to, as I say, oh, it came from all those conversations to do it, open its heart, you know, open, right. open the heart of the film. So we weren't looking for natural, you know, kitchen sink realism. We were looking for something that was more expressive. Well, I'm very glad you made all of those decisions. Um, Charlie Joyride uh, had its world premiere at last year's Galway Film Fla. Was that the first time you saw it? Um, and like, if so, what was what was it like seeing it in, in its entirety after, you know, working on it for so long and then kind of waiting then to see it? Because I know sometimes, once again, unlike theatre, you don't get that kind of instant gratification of of people clapping and you know after your hard work you kind of do it and then you nearly have to forget about it for a while until uh until it reappears what was that like seeing seeing that for the first time 
Well, I mean, we had seen it. Uh, we were sent the film so we could watch it in our house okay. with the family, with the five of us. We sat down and we watched it. And it was it was really weird to see for the first time. I mean, you had, you, like, just looking and watching myself, I, I found it really weird. But the family, all of us enjoyed watching it. You know, we, we watched it together and it was, it was really nice. And then seeing it in the... Uh, Seeing in the cinema itself, I went to the cinema on in July with it was meant to be just my friends, and I was like five minutes exercise training, and I walked in and I have a lot of um a lot of people my age there like a lot of people it was like the whole most of the cinema was taken up with a bunch of third year students just sitting there <laughs> and so I walked in and someone someone shouts there he is and everyone starts cheering and I was like no no it's and it's in the middle of the film I mean I felt really bad for people who were actually trying to watch the film because you have a bunch of teenagers just talking throughout the whole film and then at the end uh, once it ended and um, I mean when you when you'd say a joke or someone would say something to you in the film and you'd have everyone laugh and just stare at you and it's just like oh and then at the end of the film as you get older said, you'll want that Charlie I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, in front of the camera. But yeah, and then I walked out of the screen and everyone was waiting there for me and did a big round of applause. I, I loved it. I loved yeah. the end of it because it was it was really nice to see that everyone waited for me and then all of my friends were there with me. But yeah, no, I I I enjoyed being at the cinema with everyone to an extent. But I enjoyed it and then but I, I especially love watching it with my family the most. Yeah, that's really, really special. That's such a special one. And actually very nice. I can't remember which podcast it was. Uh, I think it might have been the film uh, Dinian. And we were I was asking about the first time that they saw it. And they were saying that the first time that they saw it was right there and then in the cinema at the premiere. And actually they would have really loved to have seen it just themselves first and kind of digest it and watch it and everything. So that's really great that you got to do that. Um, Emer, you do a lot of editing, and was was that hard to not get involved in the edit for this, or did you? And and then also, how do you kind of balance those two hats? Because I know the way sometimes people can say that you can shoot one film and then and create another uh, in the edit. What 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 was that like? Well, you know, you certainly shoot one and create another in the edit, but you you've done that many times anyway. You what you what you've written is not what you make on the floor and what mm. you make on the, you know, you change it in the edit and then you change it again in post-production with the music. <laughs> then it changes again when you're out showing it and selling it and, you know, talking about it, you know, it's there are multiple different versions of the same film. So that's a, I'm used to that or I'm, 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 I'm adjusted to that. Um, I, yeah, I have a, I have a previous career as a film editor, although I haven't edited for a while now. I've been directing for a number of years. Um, I was really lucky to have an incredibly, talented ace winning BAFTA winning editor as my editor he, Tony Cranston's his name he's also happens to be married to me so he's uh he behaves himself <laughs> <laughs> that helps but yeah but we uh you know we're a very good team he's he's incredibly accomplished and 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 brave and and opinionated and has a very loud voice in the curtain room which I love mm -hmm. I really wanted I want all my creative collaborators to feel um you know their voices treasured and wanted and all their views so mm -hmm. we had uh, we had a a, a very uh, a very a very fun journey with the cut yeah 
That's very, very special. Did I, was the question, did I get involved? Of course, I had a million. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially if it was your husband. I mean, a million yeah. theories, most of which he ignored. <laughs> and Charlie, what do you think um, your, when people ask you about the shoot, do you ever have a day uh, particularly that stands out to you on the shoot, a favourite day? or? Yeah, well, I mean, the day that I remember and loved the most was the day in the B&B because <laughs> there was... <laughs> When we were filming this scene, um, it was the one where I was lying in the bed on my own, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I kept, you know, when he, when Jonathan called cut, you know, I'd get up and sit up because you don't have to like get up and sit up. You can just stay there. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm lying in bed and he calls cut and I'm fast asleep <laughs> in the bed while we were filming. And he, he started taking pictures with me in the bed. <laughs> He woke me up as they were set up for the so I was asleep for a good ten minutes while they're setting up the, for the next scene and he just wakes me right before and goes, uh, did you have a good beauty sleep? Chris says, <laughs> uh I I had no idea what was going on there for a minute because I literally I didn't even mean to. I was just lying there and just snap, I was gone. I was Charlie, gone. you just say you just say next time that you're method. You're you're a method actor. <laughs> yeah. That's just that's what yeah. I'm saying. And then I got I I went downstairs and there was McDonald's waiting for me. So you know it, it was a very it was a very productive day. Sounds like a great day all round. Work, yeah. nap, food. <laughs> well, it's in his I, rider. It's in yeah. his rider now. <laughs> it's in the contract. Must have a McDonald's ready for me when I wake. <laughs> um, I love to always ask um people who come on my podcast if they have uh, a favorite Irish film, keeping in line with Irish Film London. Um and also if they have a film, I never like to say favorite film. I guess kind of maybe just a film that's had an impact on your life it could be positive could be negative it could even just be that comfort film that you go back to all the time um anything like that so uh Emer, does do any pop into your head sure um if it's not cheating i'll choose three favorite Irish films. yeah absolutely <laughs> go for it i i and this might be this is definitely cheating i'm sure this isn't in the spirit of it but and because i edited this film but this is probably my favorite irish film is a film called patrick's day by terry mcmahon mm-hmm. um but i was the film editor so i do have skin in this game or a, a dog in this fight but that's uh, fine some people some actors have said the films. films they've been in so Excellent. that's fine that's fine <laughs> so i'm not the first person to, yeah. to show myself up i love that film and if you haven't seen it you should check it out try and find mm-hmm. it it's a very very powerful film i i my I love Garage Lenny Abrams Filmson's Lenny Abramson's film Garage. I think it's beautiful, and and I know it's the week that's in it, but on Colleen Kuhn, I think is is a masterpiece and a work of art, and deserves all the acclaim it's getting and all the awards, and I hope it goes all the way. So, agreed. Three, not one, but but, and a uh, film that has made a huge impact on me. Um, Probably, I would say, uh, 12 Angry Men, which I saw when I was in school. We had a film club in school and they showed it uh, one Friday evening. It was the film that was projected and it was the reason I wanted to work in film. I just came home and talked with my dad for hours about the power of film and the power of persuasion and dialogue and what the film was doing and how subtly it had journeyed from from prejudice to you know to the end of the film and, and and how beautifully it looked and I was really lit up by it I, I remember staying I was only about 15 I was awake all night thinking about it so wow. that, had a, that had a big uh it really persuaded me that film can 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 not if not change the world can nec- can definitely be part of the conversation you know can can really have muscles so mm-hmm. well I'm very glad you watched 12 Angry Men <laughs> um and Charlie what about you 
Um, well, my favourite Irish film would definitely be uh, Song of the Sea, the animated one, yeah. because, I mean, I watched it when I was uh, quite young with uh, my family. We all we were on holidays, actually. We just sat down one night and we just watched it. And, you know, we still watch it to this day as a family because, I mean, I love that film. Mm. I love the power that film has, especially over an animated film, because nowadays you see a lot more um, powerful animated films. But, like, back a few years ago, you wouldn't really see that as much. And I thought it was just, I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. And then my, uh, the film that's, um, oh, I, I think I'm going to go with, uh, it's another animated film, Big Hero 6, uh, the Disney film. I love Big Hero I don't 6. even know that one. That's a great one. Oh, yeah. you have to watch it. You have to watch <laughs> it. It's just brilliant. I mean, it teaches you so many lessons and like, but it's just, it's such a fantastic film. And I'm going to sneak in any Leonardo DiCaprio film because <laughs> I love that man. I love all of that man's work. And when I seen um, The Wolf of Wall Street for the first time, it's just it opened my eyes that like an actor can really like just change completely i mean he he's portraying a, a real life person in that film and he just smashes it he does mm -hmm. so well mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna throw in barry keown as well i love barry keown <laughs> yeah I love barry keown gotta put it and, and what a week what a week as well that we well deserved oh, yeah 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 yeah, uh, then nominated for best actor. Well, someday, Charlie, someone's going to be saying that about you. So, and they're Hopefully. great choices. Let's hope. Let's hope. That's one. That's one thing as well that I do love asking those questions is because I know sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I must watch that, and you, you know, like make a little list and everything. So. Yeah, Imre, that's your homework now is Big Hero 6. Yeah. Okay, I, I can't believe I've not even heard of it, so I'm shameful. <laughs> well, to quote the film, I'm not going back, I'm going forward, and that's exactly what the both of you are going to be doing in your careers, and I'm so excited to see more stuff that you're both going to produce and to have you back on here again. So thank you so much for coming on to chat to me, and hopefully we will see you very, very soon. Thank you. Thank Thanks, Neve. So Bye, Charlie. Bye, Imre. And that's it for this week's interview. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme. Myself and Jerry will be back in a fortnight with a brand new interview. See you then.